0: Fourth grade, y'all remember fourth grade? Some of y'all are like, man, what decade. <laughs> it was a rough year for me. Uh, we had moved schools, we had moved around a little bit, and, and, uh, and, and to put the cherry on top, I was riding the bus home from school one day, and, and I, I'm getting off at my little stop there, and the bus driver said, hey, wait, before you get off, somebody has something they want to say to you. And back at the back of the bus, I was near the end of the route, and there were not a lot of kids left, and there was this girl. I can't remember if her name was Tiffany or Keisha. It was one of those two girls. But she, she was back there, said, hey, come here. Tell him what you told me. So this little girl, she stands up, and she marches down the aisle on the bus, and she looks me dead in the eyes, and she balls up her fist, and she rears back her arm, and she punches me dead in the eye. Wham! Broke my glasses. And I'm just like, oh. And the bus driver's like, okay, you can get off now. And I got off. I was like, the bush I was waiting, I was standing there, I'm crying, but not because I got punched in the eye, and not because my glasses were broken, because I knew I had to go home and tell my dad that I got punched in the face by a girl, and she <laughs> broke my glasses. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. And so, oh man, I made a, I made a plan on my way home, and uh, here's what I did. Now here's the thing: My dad is, is a pastor, okay? Uh, he was a pastor of my home church. Uh, he preaches every week, and so as a result, he's not able to come to be uh, at this church uh, hardly ever. He's here today, yeah, and he doesn't know how this story ends. I made a decision on the way home that I was just gonna lie. And uh, I don't remember the story. In fact, if you ask my dad today, he probably doesn't even remember the day at all because uh, I broke my glasses like every other week. It was like we were constantly, it was always something. Uh, but I never lied about any of the other ones. It was just the one, just that one time. And I, and I, I just said, I broke on the bus. And I think I got in trouble. I got in trouble. I got in trouble because she's like, you should be more careful. <laughs> like, I oh, mean, I was careful. I didn't know. Here's the thing. I got off that bus confused because I did not know what I had done to that girl. And I bet, you, I bet you there was one person more confused than me. I bet it was the bus driver. <laughs> I, 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 for years, have thought about this. I'm like, what allowed this woman to let this girl punch me? And my guess is, that's not what she thought that the girl was gonna say. <laughs> and she just was like, just get out of here. Just get, this is before cameras on school buses. Um, so, oh my goodness. I had to walk home with my head down feeling like a loser. You know what I'm talking about? You ever walk home with your head down feeling like a loser? Maybe you've never been punched by a girl in the face. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, there's some girls that I will put you against, and I, ch- I challenge you to stand your ground. <laughs> they work out here, up there, so. Um, but yeah, but we get beat up. The world's rough. A- and we come home sometimes after being beat. And there's moments, there's moments where we're just like, I don't know if I can keep my head up anymore, you know? We just had this this weekend uh, that was one of the best weekends I've been a part with, with, with a church group ever. Uh, we had our, 19, our 2019 men's retreat up in Washington, North Carolina at Roanoke Christian Camp uh, with 77 guys from eight different churches. Um, yeah, got a, okay, yes, it was good. Uh, 21 of them were from Venture. You're looking around like 77, like, hold on. Um, 21 of them were from Venture from Venture Church. And it was just a great time of growing together and learning. And the theme was, you might see a lot of us wearing this shirt, fight. And the speaker got up at the first session. He only spoke two times for about half an hour. It was, it was really, really good, though, what he said. He got up and he said, the theme is fight. And, and I would think if the theme is fight, that if I'm going to get up here and talk at like a Christian event, what I'm going to do is talk about the victory. We're talk about the victory we have in Jesus. Talking about how you, you can never lose. But he's like, man, that's not been my experience. He said, You know what? I, I can make you some promises. I can promise you you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. I can promise you you're going to lose some. I can't promise you that you're ever going to win some. That's not how life works. So the whole weekend was how do you get up after the, being beat? How do you get up after falling down? How do you get up after you realize you've been sucker punched in the face, you didn't even see it coming? Or maybe you did it to yourself. It's an addiction, or it's a habit, or it's a thing that you've fallen into, and you know that it's something you got to get rid of, but you just keep doing it to yourself over and over and over again, or whatever it is, and how do you stand up and walk after that? And i got to tell you, I've never had anyone tell me a loser so many times and feel so good about it than I did this weekend, because at the end, we found out what God has for us in our defeat. Uh, we're in the final week of this teaching series we've been doing for five weeks uh, called um, The Grass is Greener. And it's the secret, the discovering the secret to contentment. And we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about uh, material possessions and how that's like a big thing with contentment. I'm just not happy, you know. I can't can't have what I want. I want a better job. I want more money. I can't catch up on my bills, whatever. We talked about finding contentment in our identity, who we are, like uh, being comfortable in my own skin, content in my own skin. We talked about the underlying fact that if we can understand who God is and who Jesus is that there is a strength in that. From Philippians chapter four, Paul taught us a lot about that. Last week we had Compassion Sunday. We talked about being the solution for discontent in the world by sharing compassion with the world. It's been just a a robust teaching time for, I've really just enjoyed uh, learning from scripture and growing in this. But when we get to the end of this thing, it'd be real, real tempting to put a bow on top. Say, so we're all good, right? But every one of us has to go back into the real world when we leave this room, in fact, we're here right now. We brought our own background and our own baggage and our own mess with us. You might be here today for the very first time. Uh, we've got a, a little motto we use at our church. We want to be church for people who don't like church. We say it loud and clear. It's on banners and stuff. We, what does that mean? What it means is our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from God. It's not about a tradition, it's not about a dress code, it's not about a building, it's not about a denomination or a creed, it's about tearing down the walls that have kept us away from God so that we can build a bridge to the most important thing, knowing God's son Jesus. And so through that like effort, we've come to this place where we've said, you know what, we've got to embrace the fact that sometimes life is hard. And we can't just put on a fake face and come in and be like, it's good, fine. How do we find the strength to go on after we're feeling sucker-punched. Um, we look to the Bible for God's most important truth, and today we're going to be in the book of James. So if you've got a Bible, uh, grab it. Um, turn over the book of James. It's in, the, it's in the end of your English Bibles there, at uh, the last part of the New Testament of the Bible. Um, if you can't find it, it's, it's a little bitty book at the back. Look at your... Look at your uh, Table of contents in the front. But there in James chapter one, uh, we meet a guy named James. And now let me tell you who James is. James's story is pretty incredible. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And so imagine growing up your whole life and, and your brother's Jesus. Like you thought you had a goody-goody sister? Like th- your brother is Jesus. But then he starts making these claims, like, you know, he's doing miracles and he's from God. And here's something that we know about James. James wasn't buying into all that. Actually, James was a big skeptic of his brother. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. Jesus had disciples. James wasn't one of them. And there was a point at which uh, he he would come and, like, you know, this guy, Jesus, what's he all about? He's like, listen, this is this is not this is not what you think it is. Until Jesus died and rose from the dead. And James saw that. And he was like, oh, my bad, Jesus. <laughs> he was convinced. It's so much to the point that he became the first pastor at the first church in Jerusalem. And he writes this, this writing here, the book of James. is a collection of his teachings. If you read it straight through as if it's like one sermon or something, it's a little confusing because he kind of jumps around a little bit. Uh, but he's got several different teachings. It's, it's considered a wisdom literature. So as you read through it, it's not a letter. Uh, It's not history. It's a wisdom literature. You might consider it a sermon. And it's got some good stuff in here. And in James chapter 1, he's addressing a group of people. Let's meet them here. James chapter 1, verse 1. says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. He's writing to a group of people. Uh, if you read them Between the Lines, you know some stuff about Bible, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. There's a reference to uh, the Jewish nation. Uh, it's some you know, discussion over which group he was talking through. It seems most likely that James, at this point, was talking about a group of Christian Jews who had undergone some persecution and had to leave the area of Judea. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 8, you can read about it. And, and just before Acts chapter 8, there's a guy named Stephen and he's proclaiming Jesus and this guy named Paul, Saul, who eventually becomes a a superstar because Jesus changes people's hearts. But at this time, this guy Saul is uh, persecuting the church and, and he oversees the stoning of Stephen. He dies. And after this martyrdom, the Christians scatter. I mean, it's not safe. Imagine what you would do with your family if people were killing Christians in your neighborhood. You're like, we gotta move. This can't, so they do that. So a lot of people think that maybe James is addressing specifically those people. Talk about getting sucker punched. Talk about walking around with your head down. Talk about feeling like, how do I get up and stand up after this? We saw this Jesus guy, and now people are getting killed for this faith. How crazy is this going to get? So James writes in this letter, and he starts out with this initial phrase. And if you've read much of the Bible, maybe you've heard this. This is in James chapter one, starting in verse two. It says, consider it pure joys, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Stop. I got a 12-year-old son. He's, he's scrappy. He's an athlete. He likes to throw down with the best of them. But imagine my son goes out into the neighborhood, and, he, and he's playing with the boys, and then he comes back, and imagine he comes to me, and he's, he's got a black eye and he's scratched up and he's his, his his arms like broken and he's like all messed up and i'm like buddy what happened and he was like man some boys in the neighborhood they jumped me they beat me up they tore me up and what if i was like buddy you should consider this pure joy you have faced trials of many kinds okay all right buck up that's like the worst dad move ever I want to step aside here, because there's moments uh, in daddom, uh, maybe you've used this phrase, maybe you were told this phrase as a kid, it's a common thing, like, I teach my kids, don't start a fight, but, but always finish it. Um, I just want to say this. This is not a judgment. This is just, I want to always be able to teach what Scripture says. That's not Jesus' message. Jesus doesn't say finish fights. Jesus says if someone slaps you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. You go out of your way to show them what grace and forgiveness are, Okay? Uh, Jesus is not concerned about being macho because he created the universe and he doesn't need anything to prove how cool he is and neither should you. That's a side note. But he tells these people consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I'm looking at that going like that is the dumbest advice in the Bible. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was a typo because I don't feel joy when I face trials of many kinds. When I got punched by that little girl, I just wanted to just crawl into a hole. I didn't want to be like, that was great. You know what? Let me turn the other eye. <laughs> let me go get my new glasses. and let- No. <sighs> what in the world is he talking about? Let's keep going. Verse 3. Luckily, he explains himself. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let's hang on to this verse for a second, because we're in a gym, like, literally, um, and we got this phrase, no pain, no gain, right? And so if you're going, you know this physically with your body. If you want to grow, you, you got to work hard and, and then you're going to be sore and then you're going to get stronger. This verse does not say, because you know that the testing of your body produces perseverance. Did you notice the switch there? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces Perseverance. And if I'm the person being persecuted, we go through some rough things, and so you can fill in the blank with whatever trial you're going through. These guys are being persecuted for their faith to the point where they're scared that they might get killed. And so he says, listen, you're facing persecution, you're facing trial? You know what's really being tested here? Not your body, not your stamina, not your strength, your manliness, your womanliness. No, what's being tested here is your faith. Because where are you going to turn when you hit these trials? The word testing there, uh, this was originally written in Greek, and so that word there in the original uh, would have been the same word that was used uh, by like a silversmith who is uh, refining silver and you'd put it like in a a crucible thing, is that what that's called? And you you heat it up really hot and like the impurities float to the top and then they would somehow skim it off the top. I'm not a silversmith, I don't know, but this is what I've read. And then you like, you let it cool down and you see how shiny it is and then you you heat it up again and the impurities float to the top and you scrape them off and then you heat it up and you scrape it off and eventually it gets to the point where you get pure silver and and they know that it's done when the metal worker can look down at the, the cold silver and see their own reflection. This is what I found to be true that when we face trials, when the heat heats up in our life, the thing we put our faith in is the thing that will reflect in our life. I don't think this is what James was saying, by the way. I don't want to like read into the word, but like, he was probably thinking of a silversmith. No, but I'm saying the principle applies. When, when we're testing something, you go through trials. If you're turning to an addiction, if you're turning to a bad habit, uh, you're going to find that when times get tough, the thing that reflects in your life is that addiction, that bad habit. If you're an angry person... You're going to be an angry person through trial. You know what, you follow what I'm saying? But what if through that trial, we begin to recognize our impurities, our faults, our weaknesses, and we begin to allow God to skim those off the top? And the first time, it will not be fun. And the second time, it will not be fun. In fact, I can almost promise you that it will never be fun to get heated up. But that eventually, We stop putting our faith in those other things and we start putting our faith in God and the promises he has for our life. And eventually he starts to see his reflection in our life. And then the rest of the world sees that. Did you see what that family's going through? How do they have such joy? Because they put their faith in something greater than things of this earth that will fade away and get eaten by moth and rust and get stolen by robbers, but you can't take away what God gives us. Consider it pure pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, now there's this understanding that when I'm going through a hard time, we say, God's testing me. God is not Thor, God of thunder, with lightning bolts that he's just gonna throw down at us to see, see if he can take this, ha, see how good you are at dodge bolt. Uh, that's not how God works at all. He's not saying, I'm seeing if you will hold up under this. What he's saying is, life happens. I've allowed that. You can take that up with him if you don't like it. But if just empirical evidence will tell us, apparently, God allows suffering in the world. You know, And so we could debate that. We could have philosophy about it all we want to. But what I notice is that God apparently exists because something created this world and, and there's suffering also. So, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer than that, I've tried. I've read really thick books about it and they have really long answers. But on the other end of it, we gotta decide, like, okay, did God create the world? Not. I've got an iPhone, I know it didn't evolve into, it's got an intelligent designer behind it, it's pretty great. And my human body is way more advanced than my iPhone So I have to look into that and go like, there's got to have been a talented designer behind this. And if there's a God and there's also suffering, then the question is not why doesn't God just come fix everything? Because to what degree do we want God to fix everything? I got a hangnail. God, take it away. In fact, isn't it no pain, no gain? Do you like getting muscles? I mean, some of the pain and suffering we go through does have actual purpose and it helps us grow. But at the end of the day, we get to a point where we still have to deal with the pain. Don't you know? Testing of our faith produces perseverance. Check this out, verse four. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I don't know if I would be able to kneel down and tell my brother, my 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 son, like uh, you know. You know, consider it pure joy, you got punched in the face. Like, I don't know that I'd be able to do that, but if there was one thing I would want for my son, I would want for him to be mature and complete and not liking anything. God is a good, good father, and what he wants for us is wholeness. And it looks like there's a path to wholeness even through the pain. How do we know what to do in our mess? Verse five gives us a clue. I, I love to try my best. There's two parts of teaching that I love. One is to try my best to come up with clever ways that we can understand scripture and like take it home and apply it. The other way is my more favorite way is just to read the word of God and let it sit and just trust that God was pretty daggone smart when he put it out there and that it'll work on us. So I'm gonna try to do both. The first one probably less successful because it's got me involved. The second one's going to happen probably on Tuesday for you, <laughs> as you sit and think. But he says this, and this actually isn't even me. This is James, so this is inspired by God, verse 5. So if any of you lacks wisdom, it's like you're going through the hard time. And you're like, why is this happening, or what should I do? Anyone lack wisdom? Like, should we, we're going to start a club, okay, after church. It's going to be, we lack wisdom, and it's going to be a lot bigger than our church service, because we're just going to, people off the street are going to want to know. If you lack wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I was driving home from the men's retreat yesterday, and I got in this realization that my prayer time was not what it should be. And so uh, I, I don't like blank space of noise. I, I like music, I like podcasts, I like talking, I like listening. And when it just gets quiet, like I'm, I'm guilty of wanting to fill that space. But so it was a two and a half hour drive home from the men's retreat. I was by myself, I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be super spiritual. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll my windows down. I'm not going to listen to music. I'm just going to like, I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to listen to God. And Guys, listen, you know what God told me? <sighs> nothing. He told me nothing. <laughs> he told me nothing. I got all the way down to, uh, oh, what's that? Uh... It's a little town north of Jacksonville. Anyway, I was running out of gas and I needed to go get gas. So I pulled off this exit and I, and I get off at this little gas station and, and, I, and I got out and I was like, God, man, I was hoping like I would get to that verse tomorrow and I could be like, and God gave me this wisdom. And, but then you didn't give it to me. So I'm pumping gas. I'm a little frustrated with God. And uh, then it hit me. And I don't, I don't claim to hear the audible voice of God or anything like that. But I really believe that in my spirit, God spoke this idea to me. He said, I just wanted to know if you were listening. (laughs) He's like, you know, I'm not promising to answer all your questions all the time. But you know what I might need to do? I mean, you know what you might need to do? You might need to just trust me. See, wisdom, seeking wisdom isn't the same as seeking answers. Wisdom is sometimes realizing what I don't need to do. Wisdom is sometimes stepping back and reevaluating. Sometimes, sometimes wisdom is going, you know what? The thing I'm doing is not working. Maybe I should try something else. And so often what we do is we bring God our mess, and we're like, God, I want to do this. So bless this. Bless this. I want to do this. Bless this. He's like, I didn't give you that. I'm not going to bless that. I didn't want that for you. You want me to help you at work? I don't want you to have that job in the first place. You're running from me right now. <laughs> do this. And so James says, listen, step in and ask for Wisdom. And, 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 you know, as a parent, sometimes I'm talking to my kids and I just want to know that they're listening. And so the question I have for us is like, are we asking and are we listening? And are we just going to trust that the more we learn about God, the more we'll understand? I want to say this to you this morning. If you're here and you're kind of like, okay, that's great for you if you get your faith and stuff. But I'm not sure that I get my faith and stuff right now. Um, first of all, our church family is a safe place to grow. Okay, so you don't have to come in here with anything special, walking out. You should have seen us at the mentor Retreat if we were all on the same level. And we're just in there being like, look, we just want to be here and take the time to grow. The second thing is this. As you trust God and as you read his word, listen to his word through sermons, get some podcasts from other places, read some books, talk to good Christian friends, those clarities will begin to develop. If, if anyone was hoping, up to show, hoping to show up today and get, like, all the answers uh, then I quit if that's my job. But it's a lifetime of seeking God and asking for his wisdom. And if that's you today and you're just like, I don't know where to step, uh, you're in a good place. Stick around. One more week, two more weeks, stick around for the summer. I'd love to call you family. And so would a lot of other people. This is the place for that to happen. The other half of this is just leaving it on our heart and seeing where God places us. Um, this weekend, the guy that was speaking, he shared an interesting thought. He said, anywhere else in life where you experience failure, you are likely to not get another chance. If, if you have been someone who's been in a marriage that hasn't lasted you might feel like I, I don't know that I deserve another chance or I don't want another chance or maybe you've been in multiple marriages. Unfortunately, the statistics show that the more marriages you have gone through, the more likely it is that the next one will end and that's hard. Or maybe you've been stuck in an addiction forever and so because of this addiction, you've lost jobs, you've lost friendships and people just don't trust you anymore. Or if, you've ever, if I'm a sports guy. You, know, you lose a football game. You lost that football game. Like They're not going like, to you know what, let's replay that one. No, you play again next year, but it doesn't count. For last year, in most places in life, when you, when you fail, like that's over. But the kingdom of God may be the only place where it's only through our failure can we know success. We, the Apostle Paul says that we've got to lose, we've got to, we've got to die to ourself and let Jesus lead our life. Jesus said it's only through losing your life that you will find it. It's going through the failure that we can understand the grace. And Paul writes this in Ephesians, and I, I think I read this a few weeks ago. I can't remember if it was on the stage or to our volunteers earlier, but, um, but whatever, in Ephesians chapter two, this is the story of what God does for us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. That, that's, that's being beat, <laughs> in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. But because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, you want to be rich? Oh, man. We talked about it a few weeks ago. If you want to be rich, be rich uh, in, in, uh, in, in generosity and compassion and love. The, what's God rich in? He's rich in mercy. That's another word for grace. It's a word for kind of for forgiveness and moving on. God who is rich in mercy, like his bank account is full. I grew up watching DuckTales. You remember that show, with Scrooge McDuck? Yeah, he would dive into like the vat of money and swim in it. That's like what God's got in the bank mercy. I'm camping out here because I think we need to understand that grace, mercy, God's ability to pick us up from our brokenness and say, there's a next step for us. That's what he specializes in. God who is rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. You still struggling with a sin? Me too. But because of our faith in Jesus, Don't you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance? And perseverance, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you can be made mature and complete, lacking nothing. Even when you were dead in your transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. saved. And God raised us up. And if you've been sucker-punched, And if you've been beat up, and if you've been damaged, there's not a crane on this earth that can lift you up out of some of that funk. But God, who is rich in mercy, raises us up and seats us with him. The seat of honor in my house sometimes is, it feels this way as a dad, is when I come home from work, and my daughter has been playing, and she wants to sit right next to me on the couch. You know? And that's where God puts us out of our mess. He seats us with him. In other words, he's not like loving us from a distance. He's saying, look, I'm in this with you. I know you're gonna mess up again, like I've been watching, like, you know, I've seen this one before. But if you're gonna mess up, mess up right here. By the way, it's a message for our families too. I've often said I think that the home should be the safest place to fail. We don't want our kids failing out on the streets. We want them to fail right in, front, right in front of me. I want to be able to help them. And that's what God gives us as a picture of a father. He raises us up, he sits us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is just the beginning expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved, not by winning, now, by getting it right, by grace, through faith. Don't you know that it's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance and makes us mature and complete? And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Man, there's another translation of that word handiwork. It, it, it could be translated, we are his masterpiece. Like, like he's working on it. If you ever painted a painting or built something with your hands and you keep stepping back and looking at it, you want to make an adjustment, that's us. God looks at us. We're his masterpiece. We're his handiwork. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the coolest thing. God prepared these good works in advance for us to do because you know what he knows? He knows that if we will trust him, he can use you to show his love to the world. I've got some things for you to do. I've prepared these in advance for you to do. You feeling sucker punched? You feeling down? You got your head down? (sighs) Take a deep breath. Pick up your head. Learn what it means to have faith. It doesn't have to happen today. You might be 30 years into this when you realize it. It's fine. God wants to see this with him. (laughs) And on the other end of that, we can find contentment. Knowing that it's really, it's really God in my life. They can bring me what I need. Look, I, I love being with you guys every week, and it has been a joy uh, being with our men this past uh, weekend. And, uh, you know, you've all maybe been to a thing, whether it was a game or a concert, or maybe you've been to a Christian conference or something, and you come home pumped and amped about it. And, of course, that happens. But, but I think it would be wrong of us to go to something like that and not try to share what we learned. And so I think if there was something that I could share that we learned is that get back up. Set your eyes on Jesus, because he's got his eyes on us. If you're in the room right now, and you've never like, made this decision to accept Jesus, like maybe you're like, well, I go to church, or my grandma was a Christian, or I think I was baptized when I was an infant. Um, you know, those are all good things, but becoming a Christian is your decision. It's one that you need to make. It's one that you might make a couple times in your life, but at least this one time where you step back and go, I need that. And I want you to know that if you want to do that, you can do that today. In a minute, uh, our elders will be standing over there. We don't make you come front and it, it could be awkward or, or difficult for you. You can go and talk to someone in the back, really great person, and they can talk to you. Scripture says if you want to do that, you can accept Jesus, you can be baptized in his name. We got a giant baptistry out at Wrightsville Beach that we use, and um, it's salt water, so um, you can stick around, bring your bathing suit afterwards. Uh, if you don't want to do that, we can use the pool here. We can have a baptism, which is this, this moment where we come into God's grace and we say like this, I, I do. It's almost like a wedding ceremony. And then you've got this life afterwards that you can continue to work it out. You don't have to get cleaned up before you come to God's grace. You come to God's grace so you can learn how to get cleaned up. It's from that place. As we were closing up yesterday, uh, we sat in and, and one big group with our 21 guys and one of our elders, Brandon, spoke up. And he said, you know, something that we need to always remember is that we're gonna face battles, like small battles. But we've gotta remember that Jesus has won the war. And he promises us the victory if we choose him let's pray